I feel like I was in a 1970s cop show right there, man. I was, I was going to get crazy. I was going to do some crazy stuff up here. One backflip, that's it. I was going to get crazy. But hey, good morning. My name is Ryan Samuels. I'm the student ministry pastor here. So you're in store for a great treat of a message uh, that God is hopefully going to speak through me. So uh, welcome this morning. Uh, yeah, you saw on screen, we're in our, a new series, uh, Growing in Grace. Growing in Grace. Uh, in our Growing in Grace series, uh, we're going to embark on a transformative stewardship journey. We'll delve into profound aspects of stewardship as we explore uh, the art of managing God's gifts in our lives. This series unfolds the essential principles of stewarding time wisely, uh, utilizing our talents for his glory, uh, generously giving our treasures, and authentically sharing our testimonies. All who participate in this four-week series, hopefully, uh, our hope is that you will cultivate a deeper understanding of God's grace and how it shapes our responsibility in stewarding the precious facets of our lives. Stewardship. Uh, the Bible defines this as utilizing and managing all resources that God provides for the glory of God and the betterment of his creation. Now, if I were to ask each and every one of you to walk me through how uh, you utilize and manage your time, talent, treasure, and testimony, you probably would do one of two things. Say no, or you'd ask me how much time I had. Back when Craig asked me on November 16th if I could speak today, I wasn't necessarily aware on the topic that I'd be diving into. I knew what the, the series was, but I didn't know the topic. Uh, in this series, I shared that being good stewards of our time, talent, treasure, and testimony would be covered. If I'm being honest, now God would probably humble me in a couple of these things, but I feel like three out of those four things I have a pretty good rhythm with. Now, utilizing and managing the time that God has given me is the black sheep out of those four. Uh, but as God is God, I have the privilege to learn and to grow just alongside with you this morning by jumping into some scripture to share some principles of being good stewards of our time. And so we begin, and I'm sure you look at me, someone who's handsome, young, chiseled and bald, that I have the perfect rhythm of time and stewarding it wisely. But it's the opposite of that. Time, for me, I'm far from the best of stewarding it wisely. But over the past couple of years, I've noticed that God is stretching me and changing my mindset of time management in his favor. So we're going to be in James. So if you have your, your Bibles, we'll be in James 4. But there's a couple of places that we'll visit this morning in Scripture. But the main passage we're going to be covering in James, and James, if you didn't know this, is the brother of Jesus. He's also... Surprise, surprise, the author of the book of James. He identifies himself uh, in James 1 by simply describing himself as a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. His letter deals more with Christian ethics than Christian theology. Its theme is the outworking of faith, the external evidence of internal conversion. What I also love about James is his humility. He never uses his position as Jesus's blood relative, as a basis for authority. Although, I'll be honest, if I was Jesus's brother, I'd be throwing that card around quite a bit. But he doesn't. Rather, James portrays himself as a servant of Jesus and nothing more. 
we find ourselves in James chapter 4, and we jump into verse 13, which comes right after James issuing a warning about being of the world. So now he's issuing an insight about boasting about tomorrow. So we'll, we'll be in James 4, 13 through 17. It'll be on the screen. But it says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we would go, and make, go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is a sin. Now he says, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a town and we'll spend a year there and trade and make a profit. James, in this context, he is, he's, in these few verses, he is speaking not to, but of traveling merchants. He's speaking of traveling merchants and their mindset about going today or tomorrow into a town to make, to trade and make a profit. By the way, it does say it takes a little over a year, but in this passage, he's speaking directly though, speaking of merchants, but he's speaking directly to all of creation. He asks us a question to ponder after establishing this mindset of the merchants. He says, what is your life? To help bolster the importance of the question, he says, for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. It's pretty heavy. I'm not going to lie. If someone just in my everyday walk said, hey, buddy, you're just a mist. You're just going to appear and then disappear. That's heavy. So these verses, though, these are not the first time this concept of time or the amount of time or the shortness of time that we have uh, comes up in scripture. Matter of fact, Psalm 39, four through five says, show me, Lord, my life's end in the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere hand breath. The span of my years is nothing, is as nothing before you, but is but a breath, even those who seem secure. And Proverbs 27, one says, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring. Though James is not the first one to address this concept, he brings it alongside, though, in that first verse, uh, verse 13, of a goal. So the merchants, they had a goal in mind. Their goal was to go trade and make a profit. Now, if we look at point one, it'll be on the screen, but James, even though he's addressing the merchant's goal, by speaking to creation, he's addressing our goal. So James is addressing our goal. And it comes to this question of, well, then what is our goal? What are we trying to accomplish? In this short amount of time we have, what are we going to do? What are we supposed to do? What do we have in store for us? Now, I, I got to make sure that I mention, and I know I can't be the only one in saying this, but I don't have a lot of time. Time is uh, fleeting, and I guess this is what this scripture says, but I feel like my time gets consumed pretty quickly. And as you get older, that time, from what I've heard and what I've experienced, only seems to go faster. However, I want to get this straight, though. This isn't a message that's, uh, that's intended to be a classic, like, you can't, you can't be too busy for God because he asks us to spend time with him. Or, or set tangible goals and you will receive them. That doesn't do anything for me. That does not provoke me to action. 
Remember, I'm trying to help us look at some principles that may provoke us to action. Goals, we all have them, whether we address them or not. Uh, They could look as simple, and I'll get to this in a second, as simple as making dinner or as challenging as losing 100 pounds. Every goal has a beginning, a middle, and an end. We can recognize uh, that you have to start something, make a plan, and see it to completion for a goal to be accomplished. Now, let's look at cooking dinner. Although it may seem easy, it has quite a bit of steps for it to happen. For my house, it takes a lot of forethought to make dinner. Now, my wife handles most of the dinners, so this is kind of the steps that she's taking. But she has to make a meal plan. She has a grocery list. She has to find a day to go. She has to actually go. She has to do the shopping. She has to come home. We put groceries away. We take the groceries back out. She preps the food. She cooks the food. She, we all eat the food. And then let's not even discuss dishes. All right? I mean, it takes 15 minutes to eat, and then you've got an hour of dishes. But this concept of making dinner has a lot of steps involved and a lot of forethought involved to see it to completion. Now, I'll give you a little bit of, of a story of mine, of a goal that I have set recently. The past couple months, me and, and a, well, a couple months ago, my buddy came up to me, and he, he was like, hey, he's like, I want to start this weight loss thing, a healthy lifestyle thing, and do you want to do it with me? And I did not. Still kind of don't. But he asked me, he's like, would you like to do it alongside with me? And I said, you know what? As accountability for you, I will do it. I will do it alongside of you. Remember, chiseled, handsome. So I'll do it alongside you. And so I did. I set a commitment to to lose a lot of weight. Now I'm at 363 pounds. So my goal is to get to like 290. 290 for most people is a big thing. But for me, it's 70 plus pounds I got to lose. So I decided in that moment that God was calling me, and now he calls all of us, but specifically in that moment, he was calling me to live a healthier lifestyle. So we got gym memberships, we went to the gym, we changed our diet, we started eating better lunches, we started eating better breakfasts, we didn't eat past a certain time. Uh, I started uh, even seeing a chiropractor because I knew that there's some backstory in my life that I had to make sure I had like this medical person overseeing because Back in the day, quick short story is when I was in ninth grade, I broke my back playing football. And just through periods of, you know, rehab, but also like also continuing to play football. Now I didn't play it during that time, but like coming back my senior year playing it, I kept hurting, like tweaking my back throughout this time. But that was a big, pretty big thing. So I knew through doctors that back pain was going to be like a thing of the future. Now, to be fair, I did not think that it was going to be a thing of right now. I thought the future. Um, but around three weeks ago, started January 1st, but about around three weeks ago, uh, two and a half weeks ago, I just did something super mundane and a sharp pain hit my lower back and it sent down my legs. My legs went numb and I got lightheaded. And I was like, oh boy. Now I've thrown my back out previously before that, but this one felt different. It didn't feel like a muscle pain. It felt like it was something different. Now, my mom never said this, but I'm going to say it, that my mom would always tell me just pop some pills and keep going. You know, keep going. In football, take some pain pet meds, 
go and play. So that's what I did. I took some pain meds, some extra strength Tylenol. I was like, okay, it should be fine. A couple days. A couple days pass. All's good. Just a simple mundane thing again, bending over, and it did it again. This time it was even worse. Couldn't stand up straight. Could barely bend over. Couldn't stand very long. Couldn't sit very long. I had to lay flat. Now, I knew that that was bad. That's not what was supposed to happen. And so, in that moment, my mindset was pretty in the mud. I, I was doing all the right things on this health journey. Eating right, working out. That's what everybody tells you to do. I was doing all the right things. And so, I could have said in that moment, and I pretty much did almost, that's it, I'm not working out anymore. This is why, this is the issue. This is why I don't work out, because I get hurt. Clearly, this isn't what I should be doing with my time. Or, thankfully, with the help of some friends and my wife, I could take a step back and realize setting this goal of a healthy lifestyle, this was a part of my health journey. Sometimes we think that our time should be spent doing task A, that everything in task A is correct, but really God is calling us or moving us to task B. Now, sure, I hurt my back. God didn't hurt my back on purpose. Like, that's not what happened. That's not what I'm saying. My health journey involved me getting my back right so I could do this. So I took out, I, I took working out to, it, it took working out to give it proper attention which is something that I had been talking about doing for a long time, but I just never did it. And sure, this sucks. It, I don't like being in pain with back pain. And I have, I have appointments and stuff scheduled here in the upcoming future to hopefully figure it out. But I could have just kept pushing through the pain. But that would have been foolish. Even though from the outside, everybody looked at me and I'm fine and I look fine, the right thing to do was to prioritize my health and my back. So I'm focusing my time and energy into healing and recovering my back. Now you might be asking me, what does that have to do with time? We'll get to there, I'll tell you. This James passage a month ago, a couple months ago, was laid on my heart. I know it's an important passage, but if I found this passage a month ago, it made no sense to me for three weeks in a day until this past week. I kept reading it over and over and over again. I could not understand. I knew it was something that I wanted, that God wanted to share, but I had no clue what it meant until it did. The next verse after 14 was my light bulb moment. It said, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. I had been bottlenecking myself for almost a month, going through this back pain, going through all of this stuff with this topic of time. Because I had boxed myself in by denying with what I was already doing, James stated it as simple as, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills it, we will live and do this or that. You see, point two shares that James is establishing God's goal through God's will. You see, James, at the beginning, although speaking on a merchant's mindset, he never says that the merchant's goal to go and make a profit was bad. He never says that. Although he does try through questioning 
to get them to understand that their setup, that their plan was not through God's will, but their own. By James establishing God's goal, it allows us to use it as a base foundation for establishing any goal. If the goal is established through God's will, then if we're in line with the Holy Spirit, we can have confidence that if we continue to pursue it, it will be accomplished either the way we want or the way God would want. Although James doesn't just let it be, he goes and he issues a warning as to what happens when you set a goal that is void of God's will. James' warning comes in verses 16 and 17, and it says, As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. When I originally read this, I had a hard time understanding what James was speaking about in terms of boasting. Now, I sure, reading it, I was like, well, wanting to go and make lots of money and assuming that it's going to happen is pretty arrogant. But James is stating this, that to be unwise with your time and to just assume that it will all work out in your own timing is foolish. That's where the arrogance comes in. Arrogance, the definition, is the quality of being unpleasantly proud and behaving as if you were more important than or no more than other people. Ephesians helps bolster this a little bit in regards of being wise or foolish with our time. Uh, Ephesians 5, 15 through 16 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So with James and Ephesians' help, we can find ourselves in this final third point, which is there is a right way, which is to be wise, and the wrong way, which is to be foolish. The definition for wise is having or showing experience, knowledge, and good judgment. And the definition for foolish is lacking good sense or judgment. Sure, it makes sense that they're the opposite of each other. And you might be asking, why are you sharing with us Webster Dictionary definitions? Because if you were like me or are like me, I was considering myself to be foolish in the time that I was spending because I lacked the wisdom to discern what I was doing was wise. You see, the time leading up to doing this message and the waiting of wanting to do this back thing and the waiting to do the and all this stuff, I kept for some reason, the reason I wasn't getting it, is I I kept acknowledging that the fact that anything that I was doing other than praying or reading scripture was a foolish use of my time. Satan was encouraging me in the false uh, foolishness because he knew that I was my own worst enemy. Now, I don't hear me in, in saying that reading scripture or studying it or praying isn't what you're supposed to be doing because you are. That is exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And in doing that, you can see that Jesus didn't just read scripture and pray to honor his father. Jesus knew that coming to this earth was much more than being alone for 34 years and then dying on a cross. Jesus knew that the time he spent talking on the boat was wise. Jesus knew that eating and drinking and traveling with his disciples was wise. Jesus knew that listening and talking to the woman at the well was wise. Jesus knew that his sacrifice was wise. 
Jesus knew that if he was in line with the Holy Spirit, that no matter what he was doing, it would be wise. Never once was Jesus foolish. Now he saw a lot of fools around him, but never once did he divert from what his father designed him to do. So in reading scripture, we get this beautiful picture of what it looks like to be wise with our time. And yes, it is reading scripture, but it's also serving, it's also eating together, it's laughing and crying together, it's, it's talking with each other, it's praying with each other, but it's also sitting in solitude. Being wise is spending your time for him. Not for you or others, although it's going to involve others absolutely, but for him. If your spirit is in line with his, you can have faith and confidence that the time you are spending in whatever you're doing is wise. And in the realm of a goal, if you're setting up your plan with the base foundation that it's God's will, not your own, that's wise. Though we have to understand that with allotting time, because we only have so much of it, for certain things, it means that other things get sacrificed. Now, it's not always a bad thing for a good thing. It could be a good thing for a good thing. I know so many people who have been serving in a specific area or ministry or in in a realm of something or doing something uh, in the church or for God that they feel in a moment that the Holy Spirit is nudging them to something else within God's kingdom. Maybe it could be to do one-to-one discipleship. Maybe it could do connect group. Maybe it's just serving in kids' ministry and then now serving in student ministry. Whatever it is, there's a sacrifice that has to take place. And so, when we think about this whole concept that no matter what, no matter what their nudging was, is a sacrifice had to be made. I had to get to this moment. As I'm currently waiting to go to a back specialist. I don't know if I'm gonna need surgery. I don't know if I'm just gonna have to do rehab for 60 plus years to maintain the pain, I don't know. But what I got to in waiting was the realization that truly, if my goal is to become healthier, that he only wants my heart. He only wants my heart. And when we give him our heart fully, The use of our time becomes fully his, not ours. Now, stewarding your time wisely if you are giving God everything while doing it would be wise. So I'm going to say that again because I've repeated it a thousand times, but listen. If you are giving God everything while doing it, you would be wise. Each of us have goals and whether the progress is made on them daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, losing 160 pounds in three years, I don't know, whatever it is, whatever that goal is, you got to make it in line with the spirit. Betty Ryan, Betty was up here and she was the one who, who did the baptism. She loves reading books. Do you like reading books? Raise your hand. I don't. I hate, I hate reading. I do not like reading. I don't know if it comes from a childhood where I, no, I, I just don't like reading. Betty wants to read like a thousand books in a year or something crazy. 
But let's be honest, we can all recognize that reading is good. It is. Even though I don't like to read, and hate is a strong word, but I know I should read more. Both parties, however, Betty and I, we have, there's a wise way to read and there's a foolish way to read. If Betty spent all of her time just reading, that would be foolish. If I spent no time at all, which I am, I'm trying better, no time reading at all, that would be foolish. Some of us, me in this instance, and I'll, I'll speak to the crowd, but some of us allow foolishness to be an excuse as to why we never read. To serve, or to commit, or to change. If you give your whole self to the Lord in his will, I have no doubt that God will honor the time that you have given him and use it for his glory. I have no doubt by this book that we're about to read as a staff, it's like a book from the 1600s, no pictures in it, crazy. I have no doubt that God in the the struggle that I'll have reading this book will use that to honor, for, for, for me to read the book, to stretch myself, to give myself fully to him, that that time that I spend reading the book will honor him. Even though I'm not, I don't wanna do it, I know that it will honor him. But I'll speak to, just as we, as we wrap up here, Craig's not here so I can say what I want. I'm just joking. Um, but when I say full self, your whole self, you have to give your full self. Not your Sunday self, not your Wednesday self, not your around coworkers self, your whole self, your current right now self. Not the today, or not, or not the tomorrow or the next day self, right now. And to be fair, he's been calling for a long time. I mean, this is, this is thousands and thousands of years in the making. He's been calling for a long time and he's been waiting. And sometimes I hear, I hear this, this being said, would Jesus just come back already? I can't stand what's going on. I, I talk about it with Craig a lot, but time's crazy right now. Sure. You know what they were doing in the 1600s? 1400s? It was crazy back then too. It's crazy. It's a crazy world we live in. and Time doesn't change that. It just is delivered differently. When I hear that, I say it internally, and I'm going to say it out loud now. I always say, he's not coming back right now because you or your neighbor don't know him yet. He's waiting. He's been waiting. That's what scripture says. Because there's people in our lives, and we have, if, if you're a Christian, if you, if you have deemed yourself that, we have a responsibility. That's why. It's because there's people that haven't, that don't know him as Lord and Savior. And that's a big concept. Because I became a Christian at 18, I thought it was just the Savior part. That's what I thought. Oh, okay. I just, I'm not going to go to hell now, right? Like, that's what I thought. But coming to understand what God wants from each and every one of us is it's the Lord part, 
because he is the Savior. You have to acknowledge him as Lord. And that was, that's a hard concept. That's really difficult. And now, yeah, there's always an opportunity there. He gives us that opportunity any time of day, any time. We, we do here at Crosswinds every Sunday morning, every message that is spoke here, we give an opportunity at the end to accept Christ. And it, you might wonder why. You might seem it's mundane. I have a quick story. It's a sad story. But this is the reason why behind this is back, I don't know when, I think it was early 1900s, there's this guy, D.L. Moody, and somebody can correct me if it's not the 1900s. He used to, he had a camp. It was around the Chicago area, and he had a camp. It was a two-day camp. And he was going to offer Christ on the second night. He was going to give that opportunity for people to come to Christ the second night of the camp. Well, in between night one and night two, the Chicago fires happened. And so many people lost the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus Christ because it was a two-day camp. So this opportunity, which is why we always present it, is because our days are numbered. Time is limited. James says it. We're just a mist that appears for a little time and we go. And that's a hard reality, but that's everybody. That's a commonality we all have. And so in this opportunity... In this morning, I invite you to stop being foolish with your time. There's going to be moments of foolishness. There's going to be. There's moments I don't want to read at all, and sometimes I don't. But there's always an opportunity to stop being foolish. And so whether this is your first time hearing this or your 80,000th time hearing this, is God is ready and waiting. You can recommit right now. It's all right. You can recommit. You could recommit tomorrow, but then we'd be entering into the traveling merchants. Right now, take the step of faith to be a good steward of your time and accept Christ as Lord and Savior. Because to start walking in line with his spirit, you got to know him. And so I implore you, in this opportunity that we get to respond, to spend your time wisely. We're going to be singing a call, song that is the epitome of this. It's a simple gospel. It's not complicated. It's not hard. It's a simple gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning as those who each one of us strive to be good stewards of our time. Whether we know you or not, we all want to manage our time well. God, I pray in this moment that you, that we know you're giving an opportunity. You always give an opportunity, but I give, I pray in this moment an, an act of boldness over the room, over our spirits, over a, a nudging, over our neighbors, over ourselves to take that next step. Father, we don't know the amount of time we have, we, we, know that, uh, we know that it's limited. It's, a, it's not a shock, but God, I just pray that you can allow us to take the opportunity that we have right now, this time right now, to come to know you so much more. 
Father, as we, we look into this series of stewarding our time, talent, treasure, and testimony, God, I pray that you open hearts and prepare souls and minds to, for what you have in store for each and every one of us, because it's a different journey for each and every one of us. So, Father, as, as we come before you this morning, just in awe of what you've done, God, I just pray that you continue to nudge us into the right direction, God. We, we are so thankful that we're able to be here, God, and I, I can't help but to thank you. And so I lift this time up to you, this response up to you, give people an opportunity, and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.